As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. And it's been a while since I've been, I did a podcast like this after a series, a reaction kind of recap to this series because of the trip to New York. And wow, a lot has changed and not for the best. And there is a lot of questions out there about what this team is. Is it the team that started the season hot and was the second best record in Major League Baseball? Or is this the team that has lost to this point 11 in a row? So many questions are out there about this team, certain players, certain pitchers, that it is crazy how quick within, you know, two weeks, you know, 13 days, stuff can flip around. Last time I was on here, it was right before the Toronto Blue Jays series. And I said at the time, this stretch of games, Toronto, New York, Philadelphia, home to Boston, home to the Mets, on the road to the Do- at the Dodgers. This stretch is going to be a really, really tough stretch for the Angels, and we're going to be able to figure out who this team is. And to my point, we have found out who this team isn't, I believe. And I don't know if this team is the AL West division champs that we thought it was at the beginning of the year. There's still chances for it to win the wild card after everything that has happened over the last 11 games. Angels are somehow still in the hunt for a wild card spot. They were in the wild card spot up to the beginning of Sunday's game. And I believe with that loss, and I know if Boston won, they would have leapfrogged the Angels in that spot. So, As I live check the standings now, because I believe all the games are over except for the Sunday Night Baseball game as I record. Yeah, Boston has taken over that last playoff spot from the Angels. Angels only a half game back, which, again, losing 11 in a row and only a half game back, there's still a little bit of positivity there. 
but you need to do something. They need to do something about this. I don't know what is there to do. I'm not the manager. And that's something we're going to talk about in this podcast for sure. And I'm not going to go and like I normally do break down game by game by game for two reasons. A, it'd probably be way too painful to relive all of that. And B, it's just a lot of games since last time I was on here. Because if you remember, like I mentioned, last time I was on here before the Boston or not for Boston, the Toronto Blue Jays series. And they lost the first two games of that series that Friday and Saturday. Came out, did a podcast with Rip Bollinger that dropped on the Monday. I was in New York. And at that time, hopes were still high. Angels were going through a tough stretch. You know, whatever. They lose maybe four or five or lose seven of nine, something like that. Okay, that can be, that happens to everybody. But there was no way, I don't think anyone... Angel fan, non-angel fan, angel hater, angel lover. I don't know if anyone could predict the Angels would drop 11 games in a row and in the fashion they have. Yes, today, Sunday, heartbreak. Up up late, tied. Up late again, lost. In Toronto series, you were, they were fighting. They were close in that series. New York series, absolutely just blown out, except for that very last game. It is crazy to think that this team that had everybody in Angel Nation super hyped for a playoff run, almost begging for the Angels to put out uh, playoff tickets to buy right then and there, are now out of the playoffs picture. And granted, yes, It is only, as we record, June 5th. And yes, there is a lot of baseball left. But normally around this time, you have a pretty good idea of who your team is. For the best, for better or for worse, you kind of understand who this team is. It just seems as soon as it hit Memorial Day, we have no idea who this team is. And it might be a whole nother month before we realize who this team is. Because... If this team flips it around and let's say does great against Boston, the Mets, and the Dodgers, are we going to jump up on the soapbox again and pound our chest and say the Angels team, this is the team of the West, this team is going to win the division? I don't know. I'm not. Great. They won, you know, whatever's going to be. Um, they won 7 of 10 or, or whatever the, the numbers work out to be. But I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, this is what this team is because they are in the middle of a losing streak at 11 games. And it's just crazy to think that this team with Shoei Otani, Mike Trout, uh, Noah Syndergaard, uh, Rosselli Glacius, for as many people wanted him back. And again, I was one of those guys that I was like, great, they re-signed, it. They re-signed this guy. He's going to be a top-end closer. But it just seems like every single guy on the team is either A, injured or going through the worst streak of their career Mike Trout is a perfect example of it I'm not here to put it all on Mike Trout because he is Mike Trout and he has done more for this team than any individual player has done since Vlad Jr. and maybe even more so than Vlad Jr. over a long period longer period of time but I don't think it's a coincidence that he is in the middle of a big 0-4 streak. I think it's 0-20-something right now, 26-27 right now. And the Angels are 0-11. I don't think that's a coincidence. 
we've known for the longest time that this team goes as far as Mike Trout and Shohei Otani take them. And both guys, Shohei kind of got out of the little slump. He's had a, you know, a couple good games here and there. But for the most part, this whole road trip and even reaching into the Toronto series, this whole losing streak, those guys have not performed. And when you're looking at your roster or you're looking at your top performers of the week of the series, if your top performers of the series are consistently Matt Duffy and Kurt Suzuki, those teams aren't going to win anything. Great. Those guys are, are trying to will the team, I guess, to win or are trying to, you know, put the team on their back and all that stuff. But no team has ever won anything worth winning with Matt Duffy and Kurt Suzuki being the number one, two punch in their lineup. No offense to those guys. Those guys are, are major league players and they're better players than I will ever be, ever dream of being. And they made it to the show where – 1% of 1% of people ever make it to. But if we're going to have this team compete, if this team is going to be a serious contender by the end of the year, or even I would take a serious contender by the beginning of July, the way these things are working, Matt Duffy and Kurt Suzuki cannot be your top offensive uh, bats of the team. Trout is going to come back. But when? You would think... Everything lined up perfectly for him to bounce back in Philadelphia. Didn't work. I will say some of those hits were just unlucky. They were hit hard just at people. And you always hear baseball people, baseball players say, I'm just trying to make contact, make solid contact, and not worry where it goes. And to Trout's point, there was a game uh, hit on Sunday where it was hit really hard but right at right field. So hopefully he continues hitting the ball hard and they end up finding spots in the outfield or even better over the fence but at this point and again it's a lot of buts i know it there's something about this team that isn't working and i've always thought about it and if you listen to the interview i did with rhett last week one of the questions i asked him is the attitude in the end of the clubhouse with the team is it really like that right now or is it because they're winning and I don't know, and everyone that is in that locker room has come out and said the right things in public, has said the right things to press, has said the right things to interviews on the field or to people at uh, Bally Sports West. They have all said the right thing. But I am finding it really hard that the, the attitude, the morale, the energy – in that locker room, in that clubhouse, is the same it was in the beginning in mid-May. Because that was something that was fun to see, something that came off the screen, that even without seeing every little handshake and high-five and, and, and hug or whatever in the dugout, their excitement came through the screen to the fans, and you can see how much fun they were having. None of that is happening right now. And granted, losing isn't fun. But if this team was supposed to be quote-unquote different, that's not supposed to matter. Uh, you know, who's the leader of this team? These are some big questions I have. Who is going to be the leader of this team to shake things up and change things up and hold people accountable? Because it's not Joe Madden. At this point, it's not Joe Madden. I don't know if it's Mike Trout, 
who's going to hold other people accountable. He himself is holding himself accountable, which is great, which you want from a leader as well. He's out there putting in the extra work. You saw it Saturday or Sunday after Saturday night game, Sunday morning. He is doing live BP in the outfield. Most teams, let alone a single player, most teams don't do BP on Sunday on Sunday games. Most teams, you know, don't worry about that. But Trout was out there Sunday morning trying to get things right. So you can tell he's putting in the work. You can tell that he's not okay with this. But one of the things that I found really, really hard to, not hard to believe, but just kind of discerning was the fact that Rossell Iglesias, until Sunday, had not pitched for nine days. And you know whose call that was? Rossell Iglesias. Why is it his call? I have a boss. You have a boss. Maybe you are the boss. But I'm an adult. We're all adults. Even if I think I'm fine at my job, even if I think I'm doing a good enough job, it is my boss's job to tell me, yeah, you are, or hey, I know you think you're doing fine, but I think you can give us a little more here. And with Joe, why leave it up to Rossell to say when he's when he quote unquote needs an inning? You know what? That's fine when it's two, three, four games in a row. Then yeah, okay, I can I can see that. But when you're getting into the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth game in a row where he hasn't worked, at a certain point, you need to be the bigger man and be a manager. And say, hey, I know you feel fine, but I would feel better if you just go out there and work an inning. No pressure. Just get out there, work your stuff, get in, get out, call it a day. But I think it's, you know, it'll be good for you just to get out there. And if Rossell isn't on board with that, then we know what kind of a teammate and player he is. But at a certain point, you need to be a manager. If you're not going to hold these guys accountable, if you're not going to be like, hey, we need this work from you, even if you don't believe so, why are you there? If you're going to let the players determine when they're in, when they're out, when they pitch, when they don't, why is the manager there? Why don't they let the players run the, run the whole clubhouse? I was never a big fan of this Joe Madden era. If you remember way back when this got hired, when he got hired, I understood why they made the hire. Joe Madden, 2002. Angel lifer, baseball lifer, great success out in Tampa Bay and Chicago, coming home. I understood all the reasons why they did it, but I didn't think it was going to be an instant turnaround success. Oh, this guy is the missing piece by any means. I still think Brad Brad Ausmus got a raw deal. Now, you might disagree and be like, well, Brad Ausmus was terrible. And, And I said it then. For a guy who went through what Brad went to went through in that 2019 season with the Tyler Skaggs death, all the commotion with the lawsuit behind the scenes with Eric K, that stuff was all going on behind the scenes. And for anybody to judge a season with all that stuff going around, give it a true judgment of if this guy is a good manager or not, was unfair. It just was. Now, again, I can understand why you got rid of Joe Madden or got rid of Brad Ausmus for Joe Madden, but now we're seeing that what's the difference? Brad Ausmus couldn't have done any worse. This team was supposed to be in the playoff. This team was supposed to be yeah, the final piece. That was supposed to be Joe Madden, the final piece of this team. And sure enough, it hasn't been. And if anything, I think it's held the team back, whether it's bullpen management, player management, 
or even quite frankly, holding people accountable for what's going on. The biggest issue or the biggest red flag I had with Joe coming into being a manager with the Angels was his history. Everyone loves to look at when when someone makes a hire for your team, everyone loves to concentrate on the positive because the positive is easy to get hyped for. The positive is easy to sell to season ticket holders, to fans, to media. But the negative never seems to be talked about. And I think with Joe Madden, that's exactly what happened. Joe left Tampa Bay where he had great success, innovative, the shift, all that stuff. But yet Tampa Bay is still winning at a really good rate, a higher rate than I believe the Angels have. More playoff appearances I know for sure than the Angels have since Joe left the Tampa Bay Rays. So they still got it going on. So obviously it wasn't Joe. It was the people behind Joe, above Joe. Chicago Cubs, he wins a World Series. Great for him. With a team that at at the time, people thought this was a dynasty in the making. They're going to win three, four. Look at all this young talent they have. They have Contreras. They have Baez. They have Rizzo. They have Bryant. They have all these guys that are, are young and are going to continue to develop and get better. How can they not win more than one championship? But that's exactly what happened. Joe was unable to turn a young, promising team into a consistent contender. As a matter of fact, they went backwards. They won the World Series. Next year, they lost in the, in the Championship Series. Next year, they lost in the DS. Next year after that, I believe they didn't even make the playoffs at all. They never went forward or neutral. They always went backwards. But that was okay because it probably wasn't Joe's fault. It was someone else's fault. And you now look at some of those players now and other teams and I'm sure Angels would love to have those guys on this team right now. And it's not because Joe developed these great, great players. If anything, they flourished once he was gone. I just don't think Joe is Joe of, you know, 2000 and whatever, 12, 2013, when he seemed to really have it going. And I believe there is a crop of younger managers, a crop of younger front offices that have figured this stuff out. The stuff that was an advantage for Joe that he found out isn't an advantage anymore because everyone's doing it, whether it's platooning certain guys, shifting on defense, or any of that stuff. It's not an advantage for Joe anymore. Now it's straight up, can you outmanage the guy across from you? And to be honest, I don't think Joe can. Now, they have a option at the end of the year, the Angels do, to pick up. So... Joe isn't necessarily a lame duck coach, lame duck manager. But I think he needs to be, and I think he needs to be out. Who knows what kind of spark that will that will bring the team. I think there needs to be just a, a spark, just a spark, some kind of a spark. And if that's from the manager, then that's, that's what the manager is. And I understand Artie loves, loves, Joe Madden. And I understand why. I'm sure Joe Madden's a great guy to talk to, a great personable guy, a guy that's easy to get along with. I don't doubt any of that stuff. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he's kind of past his prime when it comes to managing a baseball team. And 
thinking that his ideas are, are what's going to work in this new generation of baseball. I don't think that will hold any kind of water when you go against a really good manager. And we'll see what happens with that. I have been told that they think from people around the team that they highly doubt any kind of movement would happen in season. But you lose 11 in a row. You are on, you know, you're paying more and more tough teams to where that streak can go to 13 in a row. Or even, you know, even if they lose 16 out of 17 and they squeeze a win in there. I don't know if that changes anything, but as of right now, from what I'm hurt, what I'm hearing is that he is safe for this season and they'll see what happens at the end of the year. Again, they don't have to pick up the option. They can have a clean cut. Don't owe him any money or anything like that. So I just, I, I do believe Joe Madden is something that is not helping this team. One of the things also that obviously isn't helping this team is his offense. I talked a little bit about with Mike Trout and, um, Shohei Otani just not producing and they need to be your top guys in the lineup producing caring. they need to be the ones carrying this team because they are the ones that can win a game by themselves with a home run um, two, you know, two home runs in a game kind of deal four RBIs in a game Matt Duffy and Kurt Suzuki most likely are not going to be those guys they may be for one game but they're not going to be able to sustain any kind of longevity helping this team down the road. I just also think this team is missing Taylor Ward. And was that hot streak at the beginning of the year where he was MVP caliber? Is that going to come back after his IL stint? He was put on the IL on Sunday before the game, got called up. Then they brought up Joe Adele, which I think was the right move. And I'll get to that one in a second because I talked a little bit about that on our social media feed. But Ever since he ran into the wall and he had an issue with his shoulder, which is a stinger, which the way that they described it is something that I think if you ever played football, you have had one where you get hit, you get tackled, you tackle someone the wrong way, and there's a shooting pain down the right or left, whatever side you get hit on, that side's arm, and it goes numb for a good minute or so. It feels like forever, but it's probably like 45 seconds. Now, is his that simple or is it probably worse? I'm guessing it's probably worse because he hit that wall really hard with no pads at all. So that those stingers can kind of linger for a while. And the Angels didn't put him on the IL at first, which, okay, but they didn't also didn't really use him much at all, uh, at all during that time. feel like they kind of rushed him back a little bit. You can tell he was very, very tentative with diving for balls going towards the wall and the ball because not really knowing where the wall is, which I guess I understand. If you've been in a car accident, you're going to be kind of timid the first couple of times you go out there and drive your car around. I mean, I understand that. But it just seems like he has not been the same. And he's almost, I was talking to a friend, it almost feels like, and again, another football analogy, I'm a big football fan, I coach football, so a lot of my analogies come from there. But it almost feels like he gets He's a receiver going across the middle and gets laid out, gets absolutely demolished. Now they ask him, hey, we're going to run that same play to go across the middle again. We need you to catch the ball. And he's one of those receivers that have the little alligator arms where he's not necessarily sure if he wants to catch it because he doesn't want to take that hit. So 
I tr- yeah, I hate to kind of say like I know because I don't, but from what I see, it looks like there's a mental aspect to it now with with Ward as far as is he going to bounce back from that him hitting the wall and still play with that kind of reckless abandon because I've mentioned before he's a good outfielder but he's a good outfielder because he's hustles he's doesn't care if he runs into the wall he's going to try to make the play he's going to you know break hard on a ball and die for a ball he's not the fastest guy out there so he's not car- carrying as much ground he's not the strongest armed guy so he's going to have to get in the right position but if he's timid now and he's not able to do those certain things, what kind of outfielder is he going to be going forward? Once he's on the IL, Madden came out and said he expects him just to go the minimum amount of time on the IL, which would make him eligible for the Dodgers series. I'm not necessarily sure if that's going to work. We'll see what happens. And they worded it very particularly. They are hopeful. So for everyone out there that's like, oh, Joe always lies. Joe said this. They're covering their, they're pretty much covering their own ass with this. They said hopeful. So if it doesn't happen, if he doesn't come off the IL for the Dodger series, they can always turn around and say, "Well, we thought we were hoping for, but we never were sure." They have learned their lesson from saying, "Oh yeah, he'll be available on this day." Oh yeah, he's coming off that day. They now learned their lesson and are now saying, "Well, we're hopeful he's going to be available for the Dodger series. We're hopeful he can make a full recovery by then." So if he doesn't, they're kind of. The, uh, they cover their own ass. They're, they're fine. They're like, well, we didn't lie. So watch the wording very, very particularly when they put out these kind of press, when they talk at the press conferences and they, they, they put out these press release. But that move now brings up Joe Adele, who has been spending time, I think the last month, maybe a little bit more than a month, out in AAA Salt Lake, where he needs to play every day. He's a guy that needs to play every day. I think the, the best thing for the Angels was the worst thing for Joe, meaning... Taylor Ward was killing it. There's no way you need to bench him. There's no way you can bench him. He needs to play right field every single day. Well, with Joe then having to platoon with Brandon and Brandon taking advantage of the opportunities he got, he got more and more at-bats. Joe was a guy that can't come off the – he's too young and too raw in his development to, to, to bring up and just have him sit. He's not going to develop that way. So I understood the movement, the triple-A – Ideally, I don't think you would ever do this to a guy that was in the majors because of the ego hit. But ideally, I think you would want to have him in double A. There's been numerous times and numerous like uh, I forgot what podcast. It was the athletic podcast. It was one of their podcasts they put out. They had an evaluator on there saying, ideally, for Joe, you would want him to stay in double A longer than he was because double A is the development level, if you will. You are going to work on things there that you won't work on and double and triple a and obviously the big leagues you are going to work on fielding a lot more with a lot more specific detailed stuff and triple a you're just trying to stay ready for when the call comes you're just trying to stay ready for when there's an injury or something like that when you get called up there's not a whole lot of development going on there you're kind of in a holding pattern where you're in triple a where in double a and even too in a little bit of high a you are player developing you are developing your skills more so there than anything i have a we have an uh, interview with David McKinnon. He's going to be out on Wednesday. One of the questions I asked him was, what was the big step from AA to AAA? And he even said in the interview he felt his biggest step was going to that AA level, from high A to AA. He, that's what he felt. It was bigger than AA to AAA. So Brandon, or not Brandon, Joe kind of got screwed by that, by them rushing him up to AAA and ultimately rushing him up to the big leagues. Prior regime. That was before Perry, I believe. So, 
it sucks. He kind of got dealt a bad hand, uh, bad hand of cards there. But now that Joe's up, I think it's a perfect time to have Joe up because this team is spiraling. This team cannot win a game right now. Joe can go up there, no pressure. If he succeeds, great. Maybe he's that spark that, that makes this team perform, makes this team win a couple of games, makes this team get that energy back. If he doesn't perform, we're in the same boat we were a week ago, 11 games ago, 10 games ago. So this is the perfect time with Taylor Ward on the bench and Joe necessarily does not have to look over his shoulder because I do not believe whatsoever that Juan Lagares should be starting over Joe Adele at all. Juan Lagares could not get a contract during spring training, and then all of a sudden you sign him at the beginning of the season when the season's already going on and you expect him to contribute. If you felt that way about him, why don't you offer him a contract in spring training? Juan Lagares should not be taking reps from Joe Adele at all. Joe needs it. For better or for worse, he needs it. He needs the reps. And hopefully he comes around and is able to show that he is a major league caliber player. Maybe that gives him energy because he said he was disappointed when he went on the AAA. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And hopefully this sparks. He gets on a little bit of a run. So when Taylor Ward does come back, there is a little bit of a competition there because you have to hope that Ward returns to early 2022 Ward. And if he doesn't, that needs to be an open competition because now you don't have the cushion that the Angels once had to kind of wait on certain things, wait on this guy to develop or wait on this guy to get his groove back. No, now you got to play the hot hand. Now you got to play who's going to be best for that day, not, well, I think. And if that's that's Ward, that's Ward. If that's Joe, then that's Joe. If that's Jaime Barea being that sixth spot and not Seth, it needs to be Jaime Barea. The sixth spot is should be still up for grabs. I do not understand why Joe has, is so so set on leaving Chase Silseth there for the remaining of, of the season or for the foreseeable future. Chase Silseth was a great story. He had a great outing, but guess what? Between the first outing and the second outing, there is now a scouting book on you, and it seems like guys have found him out. Again, he's, he's drafted in 2020. He's the first guy from that draft class to make it to the major leagues. He's probably not supposed to be here right now. Yes, it was a great story, but is it really unrealistic for, for people to say he's not ready? I don't think he's ready. I think you need someone in there that has a little bit more experience, whether that's Berea, whether that's Junk, whether that's Suarez, whether it's any one of those guys that made, some, made an appearance last year. At least, they're, at least they got some experience. At least they got... They already been through the ups and the downs. Chase Silseth, I'm not willing to throw it out and say like he's he's a bust, he's never gonna make it, but I just don't think that guy's ready yet. And I think Joe focusing too much on one guy because he likes the guy is hurting this team and is not helping the team at all. It's just very, very frustrating. This whole situation is very frustrating. And this can go it can go from the pitching staff to to the batters to the managers, to the coaches, to the bench coach, the pitching coach, the, the hitting coach. Everyone needs to kind of take a look at themselves and realize what are they doing and because what they're doing now, it almost seems like they got fat and happy when the Angels were on top of the division and were battling for the best record in baseball that they felt like they need to not develop themselves, not to look at different things because baseball is a game of, of adjustments. People are adjusting to the Angels right now, and it seems like the Angels – front office staff, coaching staff, players are now super late 
to making those adjustments they made on them. And we, they have to. They cannot keep on doing what they're doing and expect the results to change. And it's very frustrating as Angel fans, and we're going to get to that at the end of this podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When I get back, I'm going to talk a little bit about the New York trip, talk a little bit about New York in general. Maybe it's a little bit of a change of pace for the podcast because it's been very, very frustrating so far. So hold on tight. We'll be right back after this. Today's episode of the All Angels podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. So some of you might know the reason why I didn't have a podcast in the midweek last week was because I was out in New York with my wife, actually New Jersey. If you follow us on our Instagram, Halo underscore Haven, I did a live while I was out there during one of the games or after one of the games. But I wanted to talk about real quick because I know a lot of people are interested in seeing the Angels play at um, visiting parks, you know, different parks, different cities, getting out there and kind of seeing more and more in MLB, which me personally, I love doing that or just the idea of doing that. Yes, Angel Stadium is cool. And yes, that will always be like the home stadium and all that stuff. But there's something about going and seeing the Angels play at a visiting park that is just really, really cool. Maybe not right now. Maybe not right now because of uh, the slide and the, the losing streak and all that stuff. But generally speaking, I think it's really cool to get out there and see them at different parks. I have previously been, uh, been to Petco Park, uh, Safeco or T-Mobile, whatever it's called now. Uh, new uh, Yankee Stadium, and then obviously Angel Stadium. And so when I went to New York, me and my wife went to New York. First off, if you're ever in New York City, Manhattan, or anything like that, or anywhere close to where you can get to there for the day or anything like that, number one recommendation, go to the 9-11 Museum. That thing was awesome. That thing is so well put together. That thing is so well um, curated. It has so much information there. Um, there is a lot of uplifting stories. There's also a lot of devastating stories there. So be prepared to go on a emotional roller coaster when you enter that museum. But from the first time you step into the museum to when you leave the museum and you see the, the, uh, the pools, the reflective pools, the remembering pools, uh, it's, it's a very, very awesome experience. So if you are ever in New York, that is definitely the number one thing I would recommend for people to do is definitely check that out. Now, if you're going up to Yankee Stadium, Yankee Stadium itself is actually pretty cool. The Yankee Stadium itself um, has a lot of cool features in it. You know, obviously the the Monument Park in center field is something that we weren't able to get to while we we're out there. But you you hear all the stories about the walking through Monument Park, seeing all the um, Hall of Fame guys there and. There's a lot of cool things about it. One of the things I liked about it that we experienced is that there is a hard rock cafe connected to the ballpark. And, you know, maybe three hours before the gates open or two hours before the gates open, you can go in there and um, have have a, have a meal, have a couple of drinks. And then once the stadium does open to the public, you can walk straight from there into the stadium. They have its own entrance. So that's really cool to do if you have like time to kill before the stadium, because I'm going to be honest, because you know, you go to places like 
Petco Park. And if you get there early and you can't get into the stadium yet because it's not open, there's plenty of things to do around that stadium to kill time. There's plenty of restaurants, plenty of bars, plenty of all that stuff to do before you actually walk into the park. At Yankee Stadium, not so much. There's a little shops and stuff like that, but it is kind of, it's in the Bronx. So if you know anything about New York, it is kind of in a rougher area of New York. So I don't know how comfortable people are, especially people not familiar with the area or not familiar with all that stuff, feel about just kind of hanging out in front of it an hour or 45 minutes before the gates actually open. So there's that. But once you're in it, there's a really cool like walkway once you come into Yankee Stadium that has the huge banners of all the legendary players. Yogi Berra, Mickey Mantle, uh, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, like all those guys are all these huge posters that line the entrance to Yankee Stadium. So they do a very, very good job of, and I know a lot of people will say, F the Yankees, I hate the Yankees, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I totally understand that. But the one thing you can't, you really shit on is their history and their past. They have a very, very good past. They have a very good history. And they do a really good job of, of um, showing it off in, in the ballpark, you know. Now, when it came to some of the other things around the ballpark, um, the walkways in the concession areas are really big compared to Angel Stadium. I like that. You don't feel like you're bumping into everybody when you're going to get you know something to eat or something to drink. Very good food options. Um, another thing I liked is that um, the scoreboard. The scoreboard was really cool. Uh, I posted about it on on our Instagram. The teams or the players that are coming up to bat the back, how they have it, like their headshot and all that stuff is kind of set in a baseball card, it had a baseball card feel and look to it, which I thought was really cool. And also another thing on the scoreboard is you go to Angel Stadium, you see the type of pitch and the velocity. At at Yankee Stadium, you have a type of pitch, velocity. You also have the movement of the ball, the horizontal and vertical movement of the ball. So that is actually really cool to see. And you can kind of pick up like how much a certain pitches moving for that pitcher that day or lack of movement or anything like that another thing they have on their scoreboard in the corner is exit velocity so that was cool too so if someone hit the ball really hard you can actually look up and see what the exit velocity was of that pitch right away instead of you know trying to go on baseball servant and trying to figure that out and, and look it up and stuff like that so little things like that was really cool about yankee stadium the overall feel of the stadium was pretty cool it looks it feels taller than angel stadium and i don't know if that's just because it's a new ballpark to me but it, it, it definitely had its perks. It definitely had some things that worked really, really well for it. But it was definitely a place where I wouldn't necessarily recommend spending too much time after the ballpark around in that area. Um, the subway, you know, if you if you don't mind taking the subway, it's very easy to get in, very easy to get out with the subway system right there at Yankee Stadium. If you're trying to drive into a, in, into Yankee Stadium, again, not the best area to be driving into. And also, I believe the parking is very limited. We took the subway. We took the subway from Manhattan up to the Bronx and and back after the game. So the, the parking situation didn't look great, but I didn't make a full circle around the stadium to kind of check it out. But like I mentioned, though, it's always fun to go and watch the Angels play at a different stadium. I enjoyed going up to T-Mobile last year and seeing them play before the All-Star break. I enjoyed this time going to Yankee Stadium to see them play this year. Um, if I had to rank the stadiums I visited, and again, it's only a handful. I'm hopefully I'm hoping to get to more, um, maybe one more this season, maybe uh, definitely another one next season. But as for what I visited so far, I would definitely say Petco is still number one. I would say T-Mobile uh, T up in Seattle is number two. Uh, Angel Stadium is number three, and and 
and Yankee Stadium is four just because the surrounding area around Yankee Stadium, there's not much to do after it. You're trying to get in and you're trying to get out. You know, sometimes you like to tailgate. Sometimes you like to hang out before the game and um, go to a bar or, or if you're at an Angel Stadium, actually just kind of tailgate in the parking lot. There's none of that at Yankee Stadium. Inside the inside the ballpark and inside like the, the entertainment kind of stuff, Yankee Stadium was definitely up there with the in-game entertainment between innings and, and stuff like that was actually really, really cool. So, you know, every little ballpark has its own thing that's good, own thing that's bad. But either way, if you're coming from Southern California and you're not used to or you haven't been to New York, it is definitely a different culture there. I'm talking about all of the New York, you know, Manhattan. It is totally different, totally different culture. Some good, some bad, just just different so if you're ever planning to make a trip to new york to see the angels play or just make a trip to new york in general just just be prepared it's a change of pace different type of people different type of mentality there um but i can definitely see how people go to new york for vacation or go to new york for business or go to new york for whatever and come back falling in love with that city because i can totally understand how that happens i'm personally not a city guy i have like i can't remember the last time i've been to like downtown la or anything like that it was a cool experience. Next time I go, it'll probably be with someone that actually knows how to get around a little bit easier than me and my wife did. But still, I can totally understand why people love that city. And it's always cool to just to say you went to Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium, even though it's not the old Yankee Stadium, still kind of has that, you know, that that feel about it, especially to the average baseball fan or the casual baseball fan. So definitely I would recommend doing it just to get it off your bucket list. Check out Yankee Stadium. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. So something else that we are trying to do to get more interactive with the fans is that we started a voicemail line for the fans to leave questions, leave comments, rant, raise, whatever, just so you can be more interactive with this podcast and give your opinion on this podcast. It could be something that you want me to to talk more about. It could be something that you just don't agree with what I said on the last podcast. Either way, I don't care. But this is an opportunity for you to have your voice heard. And all you got to do is call us at 951-384-0810. And I will put the number in the description of this podcast. And as we get closer and closer to different podcasts, it will be popping up. So you can call in and just, if it's after a game and you want to vent after a game, do it. If it's a roster move and you're not too sure why that roster move was made the way it was, call in, ask the question. So Totally up to you guys. Different ways to ask questions. Totally different ways to vent. You can always still DM us or tag us in anything on our social media feed. That's Halo underscore Haven, both on Instagram and on Twitter. And this is just another option for you to call in and leave your voicemail. Again, 951-384-0810. And this is the first voicemail from Eric. Eric Riverside. Artie Moreno has jinxed this club. Get rid of him. Sell the team. Get rid of the jinx. I'm out. Yeah, I I would feel, I would agree with you, Eric, as far as, yes, I think this team would be a lot better with a different owner. 
as far as a jinx goes, I guess you can say that his tenure with the Angels haven't been hasn't been great. Um, he is an owner that has spent money, so there is that. Has it been spent wisely in the past? No. But I I always kind of come back to it could be worse. It could be Cincinnati, where the guy's not even spending money. I guess Artie's thing is he thinks he knows what's best, and that's the that's the worst thing you can do in the world as an owner is think you know best and think you know how to run a baseball team when you don't. I will say this, though. It does seem like Perry has been um, getting into Artie's ear more and more as these as these last couple of years have been going on. You saw it last year with the release of Albert Pujols. You saw it this year with the release of Justin Upton. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come and, and already kind of stepping back. He is getting older. He is um, up there in age. And there is no really succession plan after him, as far as I know. None of his, uh, I believe, family is involved in the team in either way. So maybe maybe we get him to sell more sooner rather than later and he can, ex- he can enjoy his l- later years in life and not have to worry about running a team. But only time will tell. And that's the hard part, too, about, about owners. There's not a whole lot you can do to make them sell a team. I believe there's nothing. There's pretty much nothing a fan base can do to make a guy sell the team. You look at all the professional sports. The only time there was teams that were forced to sell were either a they get caught up in some crazy scandal that just they just need to go because of what their actions did, or b they just couldn't afford to be a major league or a major sport owner anymore. As far as I know, Artie is clear on both of those. So obviously fans are frustrated with what's going on right now with the team, and I don't blame them at all. But if you're looking to like boycott a game or boycott it, you know, don't turn on your TV and all that stuff, I don't necessarily think that is going to help. Um, if you're looking for something to do that's going to uh, really hit Artie where it hurts in the wallet, you're going to have to like – prolong a boycott not just one game it's gonna have to be like a week's worth of games two weeks worth of games one game is barely a blip i believe on Artie's um radar so for as much as i believe and i agree with things about Artie about him not being a great owner it is just so hard to reasonably think of ways to get him to see what the fans are feeling um he kind of lives in his own little world when his on his on his ivory castle and stuff like that so it's gonna be really hard for anyone to really get to Artie, especially fans you know he doesn't even go to the game so not selling out a game or not going to a game and making the attendance look like oakland yeah maybe for two weeks it'll catch his attention but if it's for one game i seriously doubt it's going to do anything at all so our next one comes our next voicemail comes from ruben hey this is ruben from woodland hills I think you do a great job on the podcast. I wanted to say, I think the Angels should just fire Joe Madden and have Mike Sosa be the manager for the rest of the year because this is just getting a hand. I think they need someone like someone with the leadership skills that Mike Sosa brings. Um, I know we all hated him at first, but man, why not just give him a shot to finish off the year with the Angels? Thank you, Ruben, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Yeah, it would be interesting. Could you imagine if Joe got fired and you brought in Mike Sosha to finish out the season? Not only because, you're right, at the end of Mike's tenure with the Angels, a lot of fans thought, okay, it was finally time. You know, his, his, his talks and his 
message got fell flat on players. Could you imagine if Joe got fired and Social came back? Not only for that, but also because there, from what I understand, they're still buddies. Madden was on Social's coaching staff for a while, was with them when they won the World Series, and now he's come in to replace them. That would be absolutely funny. And I don't necessarily know if he would, Mike. I don't necessarily know if he would be interested. I mean, you haven't heard him really put his name in any kind of managerial searches over the last couple of years since he left the Angels. So we'll see what happens. But yes, I do think something definitely needs to happen with Joe Madden. If this series, if this goes on any longer, this losing streak, and even to if they lost, like, you know, they're at 11. If they go, if they lose 14 out of 15 or uh, 15 out of 17, they squeak two wins in there. Is that going to be enough to really change people's opinion of what's going on with this team? I can't I can't say it enough. You have Boston coming in and they're looking good. You have the Mets coming in who have I, I believe the best record in the NL and just got done beating winning the series against LA. And then you have LA after that in LA. This is really going to be a tough stretch for the Angels and you just have no clue. I have no clue how this team is going to rebound and where this team is going to be at at this point next week. This point next week you will have all these tough games out of the way. And where is this team going to be? They're already one game below 500. Are they going to be five games below 500? Are they going to be six games below 500? Are they going to be above 500 and surprise a lot of people? I'm not sure, but yeah, something I think needs to happen. And if that means Joe needs to go to get the spark up and going, that's what needs to happen. But I highly doubt, like I said earlier, I don't know. I doubt that's going to happen. Madden uh, being relieved of his duties during the season, but Hey, you lose 15, 16 in a row, a lot of things can change. Our next and last voicemail is from Kenneth. Hi, my name is Kenneth Rory, and I'm from Santana, California. Man, I became an Angel fan last year. Well, we're having a good time. Now, I don't know, I can understand the Angel pain and what it is to be an Angel fan. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so, couldn't really tell what Kenneth was saying there. He just, he just, you can tell that he's a new Angel fan and he just sounds defeated like so many of us right now. Sorry. Sorry as an Angel fan to another Angel fan. Sorry for that feeling. But yes, um, when things were going good early in the season, it was fun. It was great. You saw a bunch of new Angel fans. You saw way more interaction on social media with certain fans when things were going good. And now that things are going bad, it's all kind of flipped. And, you know, Something needs to happen. I've been saying it over and over again like a broken record. I understand that you're probably tired of me saying that, but I think that Kenneth's Kenneth's um, mentality, I think, is representative of a lot, a lot of Angel fans right now. And honestly, I, it seems like the only way to, do, to, to turn it around is to win, and with this schedule coming up, it's going to be really, really hard. But thank you guys for jumping on the voicemail this week again. At any point, any time, leave a voicemail. It will be played on the next um, next podcast, 951-384-0810. So now kind of looking ahead a little bit, like I mentioned, the Angels are on their way back to Anaheim to face Boston for the next four games. The first game against Boston is going to be Noah Syndergaard against Michael Waka. Syndergaard trying to bounce back from that really, really bad start in Yankee Stadium. The start I, the game I actually went to, he got smoked, and 
didn't make being an Angel fan in Yankee Stadium any easier, but we were there nonetheless. Um, as far as Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the Angels are TBD. They have not announced yet who are the starters are going to be for the rest of the series. Joe Madden uh, did say that it is likely they're going to need another starter in this series because of the doubleheader they had on Thursday with the Yankees. So by the time you're listening to this, there might already be an announcement about the starters the rest of the week. But as of right now, we are unaware of who the starters will be and in what order they will be. But Boston's coming in playing really good baseball, and that's what sucks about going in on a losing streak. You would have loved going against to play Boston on a winning streak or some kind of momentum, and with this just devastating loss on Sunday night, you have no idea how the momentum is going to, how it's going to fare when they play Boston. Boston, again, half game up on the Angels are 27 and 27 right now at 500, but they have won four in a row, and they are six of four out of their last 10. And you flip that around, you got the Angels obviously on 11 game losing streak, and obviously 0 of 10 on the last 10. So definitely something needs to happen. Angels definitely need to get a split in this series, at least a split to have some kind of momentum, some kind of good news going into the Mets because the Mets right now are on fire. They're 37 and 19 and they're 8 and 2 with uh within their last 10 and as I look at the standings, they are about 2 games up in the National League for best record. So doesn't get any easier from here. I guess the only benefit is that they are going to be home and they're going to sleep in their own beds, they're going to have their own food, they're going to be able to do what they normally do. And and for Syndergaard on Monday, you look at his numbers at home compared to on the road, they are night and day. So I I highly rec- I highly predict, and who knows if this is going to be right or wrong because it's hard for me to predict anything anymore, that Syndergaard is going to have a really good game for the Angels on Monday. The question is now what happens with that bullpen. Um, Austin Warren is has had two rehab starts underneath his belt in Salt Lake. I think he's about two other starts away, or appearances, not starts, appearances away before coming back with the big league team. So he might be more of a factor in the Mets series than this series, but we'll have to wait and see if he gets the call sooner than that. But he's coming. You hope that Iglesias, whatever it is he gets right, it does not not seem like he's the same Iglesias last year. He's going to have to start proving people wrong that have already kind of thrown in the towel on him and saying that he's not the same guy as last year. He got his money, and now he's chilling. So, again, he can't be sitting nine games or ten games without pitching. That doesn't work for anybody, and Joe Madden needs to know that, and Joe Madden needs to put out th- put him out there whether he thinks he needs to or not. That's your job as a manager. So, anyways, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. Look forward to our next podcast special edition podcast on wednesday with david mckinnon from the salt lake bees he is the bees first baseman he has had a difficult road to where he's at now um knee getting completely blown out in 2019 so missing that whole season missing all of 2020 because of COVID. so having two years off but that gave him time to rework his swing and he's definitely paying the benefits of that right now last year in double a rocket city and this year in triple a salt lake being the pcl player of the month for the month of may so that's coming out wednesday i had a really good talk with him we talk about um his mentality when he was younger compared to now in the minor leagues um 
talk about how he reworked his swing and who he tried to watch film of to help him with that while he was recovering from his injury and um, not at the Angels Long Beach camp. We get into golf. I'm a big golfer. If you don't know that by now, then I don't know what to tell you. He's a golfer. We talk about that. We talk about uh, what the bees do to have fun uh, and their golf tournaments. And it sounds like a lot of fun and who's a good golfer and who isn't. That part was really a lot of fun. And maybe the Angels should take a, a, a page out of the bees and organize one big golf outing on a day off like the bees do. And it sounds like they're having a lot of fun there. And maybe that helps the angels relax and kind of get back to the angels that we knew at the beginning of the year, but definitely check that one out again. That's David McKinnon, the first baseman of the salt Lake bees that's coming out Wednesday. As far as our normal recap podcast, we'll be recording Thursday night after the final finale of the Boston series and we'll be coming out Friday morning. So again, uh, text, not text, sorry, um, call 951-384-0810, our fan voicemail line, or DM us at All Angels, or at, sorry, wow, it's been a while. Uh, DM us at Halo underscore Haven, both on Twitter and on Instagram. Just looking for more and more ways to get you guys involved in this podcast. Really appreciate the feedback. Really appreciate the voicemail calls. Really appreciate the DMs to talk about Angels baseball. So that's going to wrap it up. I am your host, Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.